Dauntless Grace Exchange. I'm Megan. And I'm Deidre. And today we're going to continue the conversation about walking out this life that we're living with Christ in the communities that we're just in. Mm. You know, uh, I think I grew up feeling like I was called to be a missionary and I had a vision of what that looked like. Um, It hasn't played out (laughs) in that way in my mind. I'm not saying there's not still a place for international missions, but uh, makes me kind of wonder as God has called me into my adult roles where I've been, um, how I've just been able to kind of redefine what that looks like. Um, when Caitlin Shess was on our podcast a couple of weeks ago, she talked about, um, well, like it being how you, if we're only looking like globally, like we can't all care about the whole world all the time, right? Like we have to start with where we are, our families, our communities, and then kind of move out from there. And I think that as Christians, sometimes we can feel like we've done our part if we're only looking globally, but then what are we really doing? I mean, most of us aren't out there being missionaries around the world, right? So what does it look like instead? How, how do we let God redefine that within communities that we are, that he's already put us in? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know many of my neighbors, to be honest. Like we all go in our garages and mm-hmm. then shut the door behind us while we go in. I, and we're not the only family like that. I mean, it's just sort of the nature of the busy lives of the kinds of families in the neighborhood we live in. Um, and I work at a Christian college and my kids go to Christian school. And so I would want to kind of say, well, um, you know, I don't know people who need to be witnessed to, but I think that I am living a life that witnesses to Jesus when I am testifying of the goodness, the mercy that he's done in my life as I point others to that grace that they can be afforded in their life. And it's not always just about the conversion for eternal salvation, which we also talked about with Caitlin Shess. So um, one of the things that we really do here at Dauntless Grace is we talk a lot about the inner journey, you know, that we, God is taking us, um, even as Christians, from a point of just knowing about him to truly resting in him and knowing him and knowing the fullness of who he is, which in turn makes us know ourselves better. I I just feel like a lot of Christians walk around very unaware of their own, not just personalities, because yes, we talk about the Enneagram a lot, but they don't understand what is motivating them and driving them at the very core level of who they are. And so we kind of put Jesus on from the outside. If I were smarter, I would be able to give you the historical Christian context for this, but I don't know that I can. But there's something about, oh, I'm sure that other podcasts would do this better. But there was probably a big move of evangelists like around the Billy Graham time when it was like, everybody go convert your neighbor. And I mean, right, that's a good thing. We want to win souls for Christ and all of those kinds of catchy things. But what happened is we ended up getting a lot of people maybe to heaven, but then they are still walking around with like... um the like, Christian maturity, like an inch deep, right? Yeah. Kind of shallow. They still have emotional baggage. They still right. have scars that they're carrying from childhood. They, you know, and not that we're not a new creation immediately because we are, mm-hmm. I mean, our spirit man is made alive immediately, but hello, we have this whole soul that we got to deal with here. And I don't know that as a church and historically over the last, you know, American church anyway, that we've handled this well. We have not looked at people as integrated whole people and we've talked to their spirit to get that little ticket Mm -hmm. punch to heaven, you know? And we haven't figured out a way to do, I think we, the, you know, maybe the American church is what I'm speaking of, although I clearly haven't been in every congregation (laughs) in America, but discipleship, we haven't figured that out. We haven't figured out how to disciple people because we look at church as going into 
a church on a Sunday morning and hearing a message and singing some songs, but where's the discipleship coming in? And I do think, I do think there's been a shift over the last couple of decades, maybe where people are going, no, it happens within a smaller context. And so I know mega churches started small groups and, you know, things like that, but where's that discipleship component coming in? Because it's not just like, here are the theological truths you need to believe, but here's how to walk this life out. Well, Beth just talked with us last week Mm -hmm. about how relational it is. And it's as simple as going with me to run an errand. (laughs) What's that called? Errand hang. (laughs) This is an actual title that I was just taught earlier today, like a name, a phrase for what this is called. This is an actual conversation that you and I just had like two hours ago that we said, oh, I'm glad that wasn't being recorded. And now you've brought it up on air. Well, I just wanted everyone else to be uh, schooled as I was. Not schooled, but like learn (laughs) this. Apparently Europeans errand hang. I'm going to find it. (laughs) I call it, would you like to run to Walmart with me? Except you've never once in the history that I've known you actually asked people to do that because it stresses you out to shop with other people. Yeah, well, I'm a one, but that doesn't mean mean all the Europeans that are ones (laughs) are asking their neighbors to go with them to run errands. But I think that there are people who are more community-minded and relational. My girls don't go anywhere without asking a friend to go with them. So... I just raised my hand because I understand that. And yeah, Beth talked about that a lot last week and I wanted to talk about the Aaron Tang then and I didn't get a chance to, but now that I know you would have probably made fun of me for the title of that. (laughs) Like hang with me while I run errands. Here's what I feel about that. I have my own list of errands to run. I don't need to hang with you while you do yours. (laughs) And if you're hanging with me while I'm doing mine, isn't that wasting your time? And that doesn't feel like a love language at all that I want to offer. I always want to waste my time. (laughs) I don't want to waste time. I want to be productive. (laughs) And I can't productively think with other people. So if I go in to grab the things I need and I'm talking, it like actually disturbs my processing and I can't do it fast. Yeah. I don't see that being a really great discipleship like mechanism for you because if you, if you're task oriented, like I have to accomplish this thing, then you're not going to be really focused on discipling the person. Like stop talking to me right now. I just need to get through these aisles as fast as possible. I don't want to wait in the line and I want to get out. But having said that, how many times does God interrupt my schedule to make me be in the right lane that is just forever breaking down or something's wrong. And I'm, I thought I picked the fastest, you know, checkout lane, but it's not now. And there's some reason why I need to encounter that cashier because they have tears in their eyes or I need to pray for them or there's something that I need to say to encourage them. It's not just cashiers. I literally, there was like a period of like a year or two where you couldn't walk into a Walmart without (laughs) someone finding you in an aisle and just telling you their entire life story. It's true. We at the restaurant where the lady was like, you need, you came in here to pray for this girl. You need to do that. Oh, and I was like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> so we went to an IHOP in, ironically in Kansas city, but it was not the international house of prayer. We literally were going to get pancakes and we kind of felt bad that we weren't going to the actual IHOP. Right. Right. We were like, we should go check this out while we're in Kansas city. It just wasn't the right but we time to get there. Yeah. So we went to the other IHOP and God intervened anyway. And at one point I remember looking over you, I'm like, you're going to end up praying for our waitress, aren't you? And you're like, no, no. Oh yeah. About 15 minutes later, standing in the entrance of the restaurant, praying over this woman and the other gal, the host, the seat, whatever hostess was like, you were supposed to come in here and pray for her. (laughs) (laughs) So that kind of leads me to what I wanted to mention to you today. I was listening to another podcast where they were talking about the Samaritan woman and how Mm -hmm. Jesus encountered her. And, um, so his disciples were off getting food. And by the time they come back, he's like, no, I've had food that you don't know anything about. And so what does that mean? He didn't actually eat while he was at the well with the Samaritan woman, but it fed his soul 
so deeply because he had done the will of the father at that moment. And what this particular podcast was talking about was how, um, when we are like in evangelism mode, we tend to kind of go in like, let me tell you what I know, you know, as opposed to just living a lifestyle of witnessing to what God has done. And, and so if you want to talk to someone or you feel like you should ask them, like, can you show me where this is? Or is there, you know, draw on them for a need to engage them in conversation and how Jesus did that with her. But then the whole uh, conversation um, surrounding what she was talking about was the things she knew to be true in the physical realm or, you know, thirst is about the thirst that we have for natural water and how Jesus kept drawing things back to the heart issue. Mm -hmm. Um, how he kept taking the things that people like in, in all of our lives, we have pain points. Like we need this situation fixed. We need this relationship healed. We need this pain gone. Um, but really, even though Jesus did actually, repair people's bodies. Mm -hmm. It was always about putting them back to the soul hunger, the deeper longing, the deeper thirst. And, um, so it just really made me think a little bit about these last two podcasts that we've done with Caitlin and Beth. How am I walking into my world? Where am I seeing the soul hungers that people are pouring out, even though they don't have the language to say what it really is. They might just be expressing frustration about their spouse or their kids or their van that just broke down again, or, you know, the job that they hate or just these things. And I want to have a solution for them, but that's actually not how Jesus encountered people. He just met them right at the the core. He did he did fix it, but you know what I'm saying? He yeah. fixed it from the inside out right. versus the outside in, which is what we're, we as people are more aware because of. Because it wasn't issues. really about the circumstances. Right. I mean, not really. Most of our problems, I mean, we have circumstantial problems. You know, we have cars that break down or that need new windshields, but the problem is that we live from a place of scarcity or the problem is... Yeah you know, really the, the deeper issue all the time or whatever. And he was coming to show us how to reveal the kingdom of heaven in the earth. Mm-hmm. And he walked it out literally everywhere we went. My parents and I actually just got together for Father's Day and we were talking about the show The Chosen. And one of the things my dad said that so impacted him was it literally just took, uh, like, say, for example, Mary Magdalene, just looking in the eyes of Jesus for everything to be just in a, in a moment, just taken mm-hmm. care of. And, and that he wasn't, you know, when they went to the rabbi to fix her, he was doing all these incantations and all this striving and all of this yelling and hollering. And it didn't take any of that. It just took heaven embodied showing up in the moment and that we can do that. We don't have yeah. to wait for Jesus to come again. We don't have to wait for us to be transported to heaven, to live in these glorified. No, like we have, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead living within us. Mm -hmm. And if Jesus came to do it and to walk it out, if the only thing he came for was to die on the cross, he wouldn't have lived for as many years as he lived, but he came to show us what it looks like to be the kingdom of heaven from the inside out, expressing wholeness, expressing complete unconditional love, expressing complete grace and mercy, goodness. And the people that encountered him were changed in an instant because they encountered that full embodiment of what heaven is. And so I think I'm just like a little like shook from the last two weeks and some of the books we've been reading that it really is so much bigger than being a missionary on a foreign soil right? or having my tract ready to be an evangelist today because I went out to be an evangelist today. It's about living in messy mm-hmm. relationships and keeping my own heart like so pure before the Lord that I can hear him when he's saying, you need to make time for this person today. I think it's that both end of that, right? Like it's the, it's the waitress in the diner who needs a touch from the Lord. And so you're cognizant of it. You walk in that awareness of it. 
but it's also the discipleship of living out the messy relationships with the people around you. Yeah. And I, I know that's what we've come across. I mean, just, we kind of stumbled into last fall, um, these retreats that we started doing with people and they didn't even, we didn't even have like really a goal to do that. We were taking some of our um, board members for a weekend and ended up inviting a few extra ladies connected with them, had this amazing weekend where God showed up, decided to do another one. And since then we've really been intentional to spend time with a few of those ladies outside where it hasn't always been easy. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause when you start really living this out in community and it, it, you know, you can spend a weekend in ministry together and everybody walks away feeling pretty good about themselves and polished up. And then you get to where you're hanging out with each other and all of a sudden your issues come up yeah. and they hit against each other and people get hurt in the process. And mm-hmm. what do you do then? And that's where I think we need to be the, the ministry side of us and the real side of us. Right. And those have to live like together. But if the real side of us could have the ministry lens that Jesus had, that in this moment, what is the actual hurt that's being communicated versus the words that I hear that are offending me, you know, or versus I don't like the way they looked at me, which frankly, that is how we engage with people a lot, right? Um, But he could just always, he always had that lens to see behind what was really being said. And I think that's so important. That's what's transformational because we're like, no, let's, let's talk to the root here, the root pain. And when you spend time with somebody else in the presence of God, you see them differently. You You do. You can relate to them differently. You're changed. They're changed. And the the relationship has already changed. And you see them the way that God is seeing them because at these retreats, we have just ministered to one another in prayer. And it's like when your heart starts breaking for what God is saying over Mm -hmm. them, you get a whole dose of compassion and love for that person that you didn't even have before. Um, And it helps you walk out filled with hope for them that things are going to change, filled with faith to fight with them for, you know, the marriage that needs to be restored or the prodigal kid that needs to come back, um, the job that needs to have a transformation, because it's not about those things anymore. It's really about their heart. And how God is like longing for that relationship with them to be restored. Then all the other things start working out when the priority gets shifted. Uh, And that's not to diminish real issues at all. Right. It's not to diminish healing in the body that needs to happen. God comes to do all of those things as well. But I just love the way that that um, story, they were talking a little bit about how every time the Samaritan woman took it back to the physical things she knew, the physical place where we worship, he kept bringing it back to a matter of the heart. And I think that that just has to be the lens that we see ourselves with that God is really more interested in capturing our heart and how we see others and how we engage with them, whether they're unsaved or saved or anywhere in between that we don't even know. We don't always know where people are in their spiritual journey, but we hear their pain. I do think that's one of the gifts that Enneagram has given us to over the last few years is whether we know someone's number or not, it's given us that awareness that everyone's coming from a different pain point. Yeah. And we don't know that we don't have to know their circumstances to know that they've got a pain point of some kind. Right. Now, I mean, we know that all nine numbers have this brokenness and this pain and this fear and this longing that's at the core of who they are. So we can just assume everyone we run into has something going on down there. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the gifts that it's given me at least is just a different compassion to sit in meetings with people where I'm like, oh, well, I don't have to like this person. I'm like, no, no, wait, maybe maybe this is what's motivating them. Maybe this is what's driving them. And mm-hmm. there can be a different compassion then that comes out. Um, I think, I don't know, it's a, it's a language to see the way Jesus sees us, I think, right? I think so. It definitely gives me more compassion because 
every Enneagram type has its strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And so when we were just talking about this today at lunch about people who are more relational, sometimes aren't as great at the administrative things because they're focused on people. So they're not as task oriented. Does that make that wrong? If you're a task oriented person, you're like, why can't you keep a schedule? No, like they, they're sitting there transforming lives when they're having these deep conversations and prioritizing meeting people for coffee, you know, and that legacy lives past. Did they, were they on time for every meeting and did they right. get the emails out in a timely fashion, you know? And yet there are people who have that strength that maybe relationally are a little weaker. And so how can we celebrate the gifts that they bring to the earth? You know, they keep us running, <laughs> <laughs> keep us moving forward. Um, and, and that doesn't give any of us an excuse to just live in the weaknesses of our personality as an excuse, but it gives us the compassion and grace to give to others to understand there's things about them that we can celebrate, even if it rubs us wrong or they don't do it the way we would do it or whatever. Yeah. I, I think that um, one of the things that I would have grown up being, <laughs> maybe still am sometimes, very black and white thinker. What? That's so weird. Enneagram ones out there with me, very black and white. And so um, there's a lot of conversations that have come up in my mind that I had when I was in my teens and 20s, maybe even later than that, but especially then, where I was just so arrogant in my rightness mm-hmm. <laughs> and my immaturity that, and it wasn't that I wasn't a compassionate person. Cause if I thought I hurt someone's feelings, like I would absolutely apologize, but it was more in the mode of operation yeah. that I would just move through my world with. And, um, I just, it's like every once in a while the Holy spirit just brings us something up as a reminder and not to shame me, but to just go, you don't have to, you don't have to live there. You don't mm-hmm. have to keep doing it that way. Um, and we all have immaturity in who we are, you know, that, we could all look back at dumb things that we said when we were a teenager. Uh, but mine often ref- were reflecting around either me having to continue looking good mm. and look, you know, um, looking more mature or whatever, or me just being so sure of what was right versus wrong. And so, um, that's something in my life I've grown a lot in. I don't know if you want to share yours cause I'm sure it's different, but. <laughs> oh gosh. Now you're putting me on the spot. Well, I mean, I was going to say, this is probably totally deflecting the question. It's fine. You're welcome. Tell me you're four. That's telling me you're four. But I was going to say, you know, for if, you know, if you're listening to this and you don't know us in person, and I'm hoping there are people out there who don't know us in person that are listening to us right now, maybe it sounds like we have it all together or (laughs) that, oh, these women are leading a ministry. You know, they must do this right all the time. And I guess I would just say we absolutely don't. do not. And I think that's why what we produce is appealing to people because we are real and we're really upfront about where we're falling short. So with me, it's, well, I'm not, I'm not task oriented in like routine and mundane things. And so that's been a huge thing. Like, can I keep my house clean? Can I, um, make sure my kids stick to some kind of schedule that makes sense even in the summertime or, I mean, just dumb things like that. I mean, those aren't even like real soul issues, but those are hard for me. And so is that something where I can lean on the Lord to grow? Is that something where I can lean on you to teach me some of that, you know, and work that out in community? So that's probably really, uh, no, it's perfect. And actually they actually are both deep soul issues if we stop and really, Right. right. Because mine is if you can do it right enough, you can fix the fatal flaw and earn and your corruption way. and earn your way into good grace, right? Which is absolutely completely contrary to what the whole gospel is right. about. Why did Jesus come if I could earn my way there? Yeah. You know, so it is really about like. So what Jesus keeps coming to me is to say, like, if I messed up, it's not like you messed up again. One step further away from me, <laughs> yeah. he just keeps going. 
even if you mess up, I'm going to embrace you. Especially even when you are, especially when you need me, I'm going to scoop you up and put you on my lap. Uh, so it is, he keep he doesn't address my wrong belief system. He addresses my heart mm-hmm. attitude that thinks That's good. that I am so corrupt and so far from him that I, nothing I do could be enough, but that somehow I keep striving to do it. And he's like, geez, little girl, just get up here and sit <laughs> on my lap and knock it off. Um, but, and for you, like same thing, but opposite, right? Like yeah. he, he keeps showing you that you are big enough and, and have enough within you to do the things that aren't, you know, fun, like the mundane things. There's a better way to say this, but it's more about like that. He's just pleased in who you are. You don't have to show him that you're enough right. or big enough or whatever. It's good. So I'm all I'm saying today is that <laughs> I feel that the grace it, uh, that the Lord has for us as He looks at us is so much bigger than we're even willing to um, um, uh, apply it to us. Like we don't even understand the sea of grace, the unending grace that He has for us, and we disqualify ourselves from receiving it, and therefore disqualify ourselves from being the yeah. hands and feet of Jesus to others when. When we, when someone has been completely set free, they go run in to tell people mm-hmm. they're no longer bound, you know? And when you have experienced the goodness of God where it overtakes you, you can't stay quiet. You have to tell others. You want them to experience the same freedom right. that you've experienced. That doesn't have to be on the mission field. It doesn't have to be from a pulpit. It really can just be the person next door. It really can be the person in the aisle. I was actually going to tell a story about what happened to me recently. Um, I had an event for work and I got there really early to set up, but the people coming got there even earlier than me, which if you know me at all, really stresses me out. Like, first of all, I, I am always about five minutes later than I want to be, but I was on time that day. Like early, like at the time I decided to get there, which was 45 minutes before anyone should have showed up. And they were still earlier than me. Wow. And it really frustrated me. And I was already very tired because I hadn't slept well that night. And as I started talking to one of the people in this family, I just started hearing what was burdening her. Mm-hmm. And before anybody else even came, which wouldn't you know it, God had just me and that person there early so we could have this moment instead of her coming when everyone else came, because then we wouldn't have had this moment. And it was like, I just I just asked if I could pray for her. It was not like a Christian churchy thing. It was So I didn't even know if she would be open to that. She teared up and was like, of course. And I was just able to minister to her. And I was like, God, you just keep interrupting what I think is important. And, and really, why did I want to get there early to get set up. So I looked all good. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, so I looked, it was all polished up before anybody saw, I didn't want anyone to see it in progress. What the heck? Like Deidre, you know this about yourself. And the Holy spirit was like, well, change of plans. I have an interruption for you because it's about somebody else today and not about you. So Uh I feel like that was a really, um, a really good example of something that literally just happened a few days ago. That's kind of fun. I haven't heard all your processing from that. So that was kind of (laughs) neat. Yeah, that's good. How do we interrupt our lives on purpose? I think you have to figure out how you have to figure out yourself. Yeah. I mean, we're always going to take this back to the Enneagram. I, that's not the only way to figure out yourself, but I think mm-hmm. it's a really fast way to do it. Like not fast, but like it guides you there. Yeah. Um, I think that you need other people who are willing to also self-discover so that you have a common language to talk it out with people. Yes. And then you need to make intentional time for God to interrupt your life. And he could do it in the middle of a work day like he did with you. But if we're not already in his presence, making those like kind of intentional right. deposits, then we're not going to see his 
see his interruptions in the other times, I think. Yeah, I think we have to train ourselves to hear his voice. Like the old adage about coaches, you know, you don't need to hear the cheerleaders or your parents or any of the fans. You need to hear the coach's voice. So in the midst of the chaos of the game, that coach yelling a play is the only one that you got ears to hear. And I feel like that in the busyness of life, if you haven't already trained yourself to hear the voice of the spirit or the voice of Jesus speaking to you in the middle of the day, you're probably not going to hear it when life is stressful and chaotic yeah. and crazy. So yeah, we need to do that. And we have done that in our own personal lives. We both grew up in you know churches that had annual conferences or retreats or those kinds of things. And so as we matured as Christians, we both had those spaces. And then together, you and I are trying to provide those spaces for other women who maybe just need to step out of the demands of work, the demands of house, home, husband, kids, whatever, dogs that wake you up in the middle of the night, um, and just get away for a few days. So we have some little small retreats that we've been doing locally in the St. Louis area for people who live around here, but we've got one in Colorado this fall that's going to be great. Um, And it really is about learn more about yourself, learn how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, so that when you go back into everyday life, you have a lens to hear what you're doing that's still that sinful old self, even though it doesn't look bad, you know, and what others are crying out for, even though they're not saying it in their words, and what the Holy Spirit is speaking in that moment in the midst of the chaos. And how to take all of that and work it out in the context of the relationships that have that use that same language, that are on the same journey, that want to do the same thing as you. So this is kind of our last call for people who want to come to Colorado in November with the early bird price. You can still register after July 1st, but this is the best price you're going to get. And so bring your sister, bring your best friend, bring people from work or from church or your mom or your daughters, um, anybody, what would we say over 18 ish or so? Um, but bring, bring your friends and Let's let's talk about this together. Let's get on this journey of self-discovery and then take it back to your communities with your people so that you can start walking it out, working it out together so that your own soul issues get refined as you're just living. And then you're also able then to pour out onto the people that God will bring into your path. It's so good. I mean, if Jesus was busy, as busy as we are every day with fixing how he was dealing with his own soul issues... Mm. He wouldn't have done the things he did. Word. And so we want to walk in that same power and authority. And we want to heal people and we want to be, you know, all of these things. But we're not doing what he did. What did he do every day? He got away with the Father. That's good. He was being influenced from the inside out to be heaven on earth. And that's really, we have to do it. We have to make time to get away. And not that you have to come to our retreat to do that. But somewhere in your life, you got to pull away. And frankly, he did it every day because every day he only did the will of the Father, right? And so there's an aspect of that then that comes into our everyday life. But these these times of solitude, these times of retreat, these times uh, these are spiritual disciplines that are important within the life of our maturing as Christians. Um, So we didn't mean this to necessarily be an advertisement, but also you can put a deposit down. You don't have to pay the whole amount. So you can go to our website. You can click the early bird pricing, just pay the deposit. And then you've locked the rate in. You don't have to pay the rest till August. And in the meantime, you can find some friends that want to come with you. And if that weekend in November doesn't work out for you, but you really like this idea, um, email us, call us, visit us on dotlessgrace.org. And let's talk about maybe bringing a retreat to where you are. We're open to that. When we first started Dauntless Grace years ago, I mean, we said there are a ton of women's ministries out there and they're all doing conferences. What makes us different? And we both said, we want to make space for God to show up. 
And not that other women's ministries aren't doing that, but there was a way we wanted to be intentional about that because of the wholeness that we both experienced when yeah. you meet the presence of God. And so we're going to make space for that, and we're going to um, make it a lot of fun for you while you're at it, and no crafts involved. No crafting. I mean, Definitely. if you want to craft, bring your own crafting supplies. We will not tell you you can't craft, but Knit- we, will, we won't be doing that with you. Knitting by a fireside might be nice. I mean, you <laughs> wouldn't want me to knit anything for you, but you might enjoy that. I will be in the hot tub with the snow mountains around me. I That's where I'll be. lost half of our audience when I said that. I apologize <laughs> to all of you crafters out there. We adore you. We just aren't good at it. <laughs> no, come hang out with us. It's not, it's not just going to not be fun. It's going to be amazingly fun, yes. and it's going to be spiritually deep, and it's going to be relationally deep, and we're just going to have a good time. Yep. And that wraps up another episode of the Dauntless Grace Exchange. You can follow us on social media to stay connected. We're on Instagram at Dauntless Grace Ministries, and our Facebook page is Dauntless Grace. And you can join the conversation in our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash team DGM. For more about the Enneagram, visit our website at dauntlessgrace.org for information and pricing about individual coaching sessions. And we even offer virtual and in-person staff training opportunities for your organization. You can also follow me on Instagram at Enneagram Megan. And be sure to check out our website for more information about today's podcast at dauntlessgrace.org. And while you're there, check out our retreat for this November 2021 in Colorado. We have registration live and we would love to see you there.